Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, you know, you know, I always hear about the Lakers and how much, you know, tradition they have and all the players that come through there. So, uh, you know, it's just it's a blessing. Do you feel like you're joining a team that has a, a chance of uh, – you know, doing some big things this year? Oh, uh, definitely. You know, with Ron 80, you know, I feel like it's possible now. Everybody's back uh, in the contention, you know, Kuzma too. So, uh, just joining that good core is going to be good for me to learn, especially me being so young now. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where you down with THT? You know me. You down with THT? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, Taylor Horton Tucker, everybody. The Lakers gave away the number four pick for Anthony Davis, bought the number 46 pick, and still got the guy they wanted. What do you know? What a draft. What a boring-ass draft, to be honest with you. Um... It was uneventful for about literally four hours until the Lakers finally, finally bought a second round pick. And we came away with Iowa. Is it Iowa or Iowa State? Iowa State. Iowa State's Talon Horton Tucker, 6'4", 7'1", wingspan, Kawhi Leonard hands. What a draft, everybody. What a draft. Also, DeAndre Hunter is a Laker, apparently. Uh, We got to see him go up to the podium, get a Lakers cap, and uh, awkwardly talk to... What's her name with Maria Taylor? Maria Taylor, who had to stand on that podium for 12 hours straight. Jeez, Louise. No chair. Thank God she was wearing those lime green sneakers. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Tommy, just give me your reactions to the draft. It was a weird one, knowing that kind of it was semi anticlimactic because the Anthony Davis trade had already happened. But yeah, give me your just initial thoughts on the draft in general. Initial thoughts on the draft is my boy Bull Bull got shafted. (laughs) Should have been top five pick in this draft. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, it was a crazy draft. To be honest, I was very entertained. I don't know about you guys. Um, I hosted these guys to a very nice pizza event at my house, and they talk about how boring it is. Those are the friends I have. <laughs> okay, no, but seriously, it was, it was a crazy draft. There was a lot going on. In terms of the Lakers picks, obviously we only got the one, but very, very – I mean – they made up for the lack of picks with the uniqueness of the guy that they did take. This is like one of the weirdest prospects I I remember in all the years we've been scouting this stuff. Um, so pretty excited about that. Um, it was interesting seeing, I feel like this year was really highlighted the teams who kind of, you get the sense that they know what they're doing and the teams that don't know what they're doing. I, I feel like the Spurs had a really good draft with the picks that they had. Um, 
Cleveland randomly, I feel like, had a pretty good draft um, with Garland and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. And I think they got one other guy who I keep forgetting. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was it was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, Alan, what, what did you think about this draft? Uh, it kind of got crazy there in the second round when teams had to start trading about five second rounders just to pick up like a 32nd, 34th pick. It, it seems like this, the price for those early second rounders was very, very steep. And the Lakers were just looking for an opportunity to slip in there. And by the time they got to the 46th pick, they had to give up a future second and some cash as well. So it's clear that just cash wouldn't work in this draft. And I think that happened because, you know, this is relatively a weak draft, especially as it pertains to having super high ceiling talent. And because of that, it kind of seems like the rest of the draft was sort of like flatlined. And so you just had a mishmash of a bunch of like solid, but not high caliber players all in the late first and second round. So they all kind of just were jumbled together. Um, Luckily for the Lakers, I feel like they got a first round talent, but that second round in general was, was a bit of a doozy, but um, Alan, what were your impressions of this draft? Yeah. I mean, just compared to, recent years for us as Laker fans it was really strange because we had nothing coming into it and I think we all had a pretty high expectation for acquiring a second round pick and I think we all believed that news would break relatively early right so maybe 45 minutes to an hour before that came around we're like okay it's coming it's coming and then it just wasn't at all so in terms of like our optimism I think we were it was waning (laughs) slightly (laughs) um, which maybe made us a little bit like I don't know, go a little bit crazy, yeah. <laughs> at least for me personally. Um, but then I think we all got our, our like sigh of relief when we did acquire and we got that um, that new life, you know. So and like you said, we didn't disappoint in terms of uh, who we got, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a little bit right now. But uh, yeah, it started out really exciting at like 3 p.m. You know, there's just crazy stuff going on. This is like the most. Um, action we've seen in a draft for sure in recent years usually you come in thinking there's going to be so much and then there's very little this year was quite the opposite and thank you for hosting tommy yeah thank you tommy the fresh brothers pizza was great and the buffalo bites the buffalo bites were good as well um before we move on please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please rate interview us on itunes because the more you rate and interview us that's how many second rounders. What are you talking about? I don't know. I'm just giving you an idea. <laughs> oh, no, dude. The draft is over. All right, fine. That's how many... Forget it. We're done. I mean, just just rate and review us on iTunes. That's how many Taco Fall sightings we'll have next year. <laughs> All right, that was a fail. Um, anyways, yeah, just follow us on Twitter. <laughs> rate and review us on iTunes and also patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you couldn't tell, we're not very prepared. This is happening almost immediately after... The Sacramento Kings picked some Euro prospect with the number 60th pick. Um, But with regards to this draft, yes, the Lakers drafted Talon Horton-Tucker, who is also a clutch client. Even though the Lakers did not work him out, he did obviously work out with LeBron James and Anthony Davis by virtue of the clutch connection. And yeah, just having that clutch connection helped the Lakers here where they can get info that they wouldn't otherwise have if LeBron James wasn't on the team, if Rich Paul wasn't helping them broker these deals. So um, the Lakers are very fortunate, and obviously they did their homework. Yeah, maybe we can just jump into... Sorry, before we jump into the Taylor Horton-Tucker stuff, what were some weird things that you saw in the first round? 
Tommy, any curious dealings that you saw? Obviously, the Pelicans traded the number four pick for number eight and number 17 to Atlanta. Thought it was a little bit weird that they picked Jackson Hayes, but because they have Jackson Hayes now, they now possess probably the most athletic front court in the league. Uh, Lonzo Ball is going to have a very fun time throwing lobs to Hayes and Zion next year. But um, outside of that, was there anything else peculiar or maybe even exciting that you witnessed? I think the weirdest thing was with the Suns moves. Yes. Yeah, I just have no idea what they were doing or what their motivations were. I mean, maybe they're super high on Dario Saric for some reason. I mean, he's not a bad player, but it 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 seemed like earlier in the day before the draft, we had an idea of what they were doing. They dumped uh, TJ Warren and uh, like a second round pick, or, or they trade. I can't remember if they used the second round pick to dump him on the Pacers or they got a second round pick for him. They used the second round pick and dumped TJ Warren to the Pacers. To the Pacers, yeah, yeah, into their cap space. And so when they did that, my initial reaction was like, oh, they're going to try to free up like $27 so they can make a max offer to D'Lo. But then they followed that up by adding uh, Dario Saric and then adding Aaron Baines in the Celtics trade. So it's like they started with the number six pick and TJ Warren, who was already on their team, and somehow that turned into the number 11 pick, which they used on a guy who I think was rated in like the late 20s um, by a lot of people. Cam Johnson. Not that, that, not that that necessarily matters. I'm just saying that like, you know, right after he got drafted, there were reports that came out about how nobody wanted to take him because he had hip problems in his medical reports. But uh, they took him. So they end up, they started with, you know, number six and and TJ Warren, and they end up with, Dario Saric, Cam Johnson, and like Baines. And Ty Jerome. And Ty Jerome, which I guess was a good move. I like Ty Jerome. But I, you know, it was questionable what they were doing for a while. Um, I will also say I'm like confused. And this is like partially I just dislike the Celtics, but yes. <laughs> I was just like very confused about what they were doing. Like they had three first rounders and two second rounders or something like that going into the draft. And, um, they ended up only making two of those picks. They took Romeo Langford, who's like a, I think a pretty interesting player. Uh, if you watch his, his highlights and look at like some of his breakdowns, he he has a lot. I mean, he's very very nat- naturally talented. I think, but he just can't shoot. Um, and then they took uh, Grant Williams from Tennessee, which you know both of those picks are kind of meh. I mean, like. Two of the picks that they traded, Ty, uh, one was Ty Jerome they traded, and then one was Ty Bull. I thought that those guys were much better than the guys that they kept. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of weird. And then their third pick that they were supposed to have, they essentially deferred it to next year by trading it. I can't remember who they traded it to, but they got a future, you know, basically Milwaukee's first rounder, top seven protected next year. So that's probably going to be somewhere in the 25 to 30 range, probably even 27 to 30. Um so I'm not really sure what Boston was doing. Yeah, um, I like the Grant Williams pick. Um, he kind of slipped to them in the late first. Romeo Langford is interesting, but I think, like you said, the guys that they ended up trading away probably would have been better for them, like Thibel. Um, Alan, was there anything interesting to you that came out of this draft? And I guess, what did you ultimately think of, I guess, what the Pelicans got in Jackson Hayes and who else did they get? They got Jackson Nikhail Hayes. Alexander Walker. Oh yeah, Jackson Hayes, Nikhail Alexander Walker. 
you know, I think the prospects of getting all these picks for the Pelicans always look shinier before you make the pick. And then once you actually make it, you're like, oh, I guess Jackson Hayes works, but he's super raw. Yeah. And I guess he fills a spot for the Pelicans. But uh, I guess that was one thing that was interesting to me. Like, I'm not sure yet how it's going to work. Um, but those picks definitely looked a lot better before they made them. But Alan, I don't know about you. What did you find interesting about this draft? Yeah, I mean, as far as the Pelicans go, um, I mean, Tommy brought up that point as we were watching it live. Like when you literally see the names on the television, you know, you start to, I don't know, it helps like puts puts things in perspective a little bit. Um, that being said, um, I mean, they're going to have an extremely long team, <laughs> New Orleans. So yeah. um, just based on <clears throat> some potential and those just like measurable type things, um, I mean, I, I guess it looks pretty exciting for New Orleans. But as far as other interesting things go, it was really fun to watch Bill Simmons kind of freak out on Twitter, I would say. <laughs> um, and just like Tommy said, because we dislike Boston, it definitely helps. But um some of the moves for sure. And I, I'm just going to echo Tommy's thoughts. Uh, they were kind of confusing. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this, Tommy, do you have any other thoughts on this draft before we actually just talk about Taylor Horton Tucker? I don't think there were any other surprises. I guess I was a little surprised that the Atlanta Hawks picked Deandre Hunter. That's kind of a prototypical Atlanta pick because they've picked guys like Damari Carroll, Torian Prince, Marvin Williams before. So that kind of fits that mold. And I guess uh, Trey Young is a really good point guard. So maybe they're looking to win now more than just continue to rebuild. I mean, it's not a win now move, but it sounds like they're trying to expedite the rebuild a little bit more. And a guy like DeAndre Hunter sort of helps that cause. What else? Just on the Hawks, uh, I was just going to say like the Hunter thing was weird to me because they were sitting at number eight. I'm not saying he would have for sure fallen to number eight. I mean, obviously, these guys have a much better sense of, like, what's going to happen than we do. But it's just weird because when they interviewed him afterwards, he said that he only worked out for the Hawks. Yeah. And, and like, it, it's just like, what? You know, so it didn't really seem... I mean, it seemed like the Cavs, they took Garland, but they were kind of linked to him. I You know, there were talks that, that uh, they were, you know, linked to Garland for, I think, a few weeks. I mean... Of course, around this time, guys are linked to many different teams, so it's hard to really know. But I just don't know that, like, DeAndre Hunter is a very good player. But if you're talking about, like, picking in the top 10 and going for max possible upside, it seems weird to burn an asset or burn multiple assets, actually, to move up four spots if that's the guy you're going to take. Again, not saying he's bad or anything, but he's just, I, I don't know that. I don't I don't get it was a swing for the fences type of move and I just don't know that he's that type of player. Sure. I think the draft that I liked and it hurts me to say this, but the Cavs had a really good draft. Obviously, Darius Garland, uh, they drafted him at number five. And then they also took Kevin Porter Jr. I think pick 30, right? Either 29 or 30. 30 And then they got that Wilder kid, Dylan Wilder. Um, Is he the Luke Kennard Dude, uh, that's who, I mean. That's who you call. Oh, them. that's who I call them. <laughs> uh, no, but they 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 assembled a really exciting group. Maybe they're a little combustible, but their upside is really high because Kevin Porter Jr. and Darius Garland they both have handles for days, so they kind of put together a very tantalizing and dynamic package. Um, who else were some winners or losers? Um, 
Well, how about we take it to the break and when we return, we'll just talk about Taylor Horton Tucker and just our initial impressions of him. Okay, so we're back. The Lakers drafted Taylor Horton Tucker with the 46 pick. We are all ecstatic. We did a little, Tommy did a little dance for us <laughs> uh, when it was reported that we finally bought a pick. We're going to post it on Twitter. Don't worry, everyone. Just <laughs> exactly. kidding. No one recorded it. Alan, can you just talk to us about how we were feeling up until that point and how arduous a process it was wondering why we were the only team who, who couldn't seem to get at least one even second one rounder. freaking pick <laughs> while everybody else was trading you know three second rounders for one second rounder here and like second rounders were flying back and forth and it just seemed like nobody wanted to deal with the lakers even though coming into this draft and even on twitter people were saying lakers are trying to buy three seconds and we're just like can they even get one so just describe to the audience how we were even feeling as it finally got down to the 42nd or so pick when we finally learned, yes, we're buying a second rounder. Well, again, yeah, like I said before, I think our optimism was waning very steadily um, to the point where obviously we're joking around and being hyperbolic. We're saying maybe we just need to trade five future second round picks just to get one for this year. Like F it, you know, here's freaking $10 million too. While you're at it, just we'll give you freaking anything for one damn pick this year. Um, so we got pretty desperate, I would say um, at the same time. It's funny. I don't think we, no one said this to each other tonight, but in the back of our minds, I think we all knew we were going to get a pick, right? Like there wasn't a point where I was like, okay, fam, we're not getting anything. Well, also because we were we're literally the one team that needed a second rounder because we have no bodies. So it was ironic to me that all these other teams who have a fleshed out roster were just adding like three more guys. And I'm just like, dude, the Lakers need anybody. It doesn't even matter who, but I'm very, very happy and satisfied with the guy that we landed on. And I'm surprised that he fell that far. I really don't know what was going on in this draft because I'm not as well versed as I am. Um, normally, but all I know is that Taylor Horton Tucker was on my radar before this, and he's a very young prospect with a lot of tantalizing physical skills and upside. Um, Alan, what are your first impressions of Taylor Horton Tucker? Six foot four, seven foot one wingspan. Uh, like I said, Kawhi Leonard hands about nine point seven five inches. Ridiculous. A little bit of body fat, but you know. Yeah. So. Right after we picked him, <laughs> we went on YouTube, of course, and we watched uh, some highlights of him. And the first thing that popped out to me was he has an old man game, for sure, despite the fact that he'll be turning 19 around Thanksgiving. Um, first player that he reminded me of, just based on the eyeball test, is Andre Miller. Um, very crafty. He has like quite a bit of polish to his game, at least when it comes to finishing in the paint and around the basket. Again, he doesn't have much lift off the ground whatsoever, but that's okay because what he lacks in athleticism or explosiveness, um, he makes up for with his touch as well as his creativity around the rim. Um, he has great court vision, and uh, obviously we watched a highlight reel, so we didn't see any weaknesses, but... Um, one could imagine that he's probably going to have some challenges on the defensive end. Um, we do know some of his shooting stats, which Jonathan, I'm sure you'll get to as far as those specifics go. But um, I think the the ceiling is is pretty high for him. Um, he's the type of guy that it's going to take some time for sure. But the fact that guys like Mike Schmitz and a lot of people with a lot of uh, credibility go, 
they were saying, you know, he's first round talent without a doubt. So yeah, if you want to see Andre Miller combined with Kawhi Leonard, then uh, that that's basically what we got. Yeah, Taylor Horton Tucker averaged 12 points, 1.3 steals because of his long arms, 0.7 blocks, 2.3 assists, 4.9 rebounds. So here's his weaknesses. 62% from the free throw line, only 31% from three, 1.4. Although I think his shot, the mechanics of his shot look very fluid and workable. Uh, I think he'll improve in that aspect and it looks pretty pure regardless of the percentage. I think a lot of that comes from him just taking a lot of shots off the dribble and probably bad shot selection at his young age and a lot of street ball and one stuff that he likes to do because he's very crafty and has a lot of shake to his handle. Um, and he only shot 41% from the field. So that those are his weaknesses. And I'm sure, like Alan said, that he has a lot to learn on the defensive end, but because of his physical tools, I mean, 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks in, in 27 minutes is pretty good. And I think he'll eventually learn how to hone his long arms to really use that to his benefit on the defensive end. But um, Tommy, what are your thoughts on Taylor Horton Tucker and what he can bring to the table and how unique a prospect he is? Well, yeah, he's a super unique prospect and and just based on his age and weight alone, to be honest, like compared to most other players who get drafted, it's funny. He's 6'4", like towards the end of the draft here, we saw Kyle Guy get drafted. Kyle Guy is like 6'3", and he weighs 168. And Taylor Horton Tucker is 6'4 and weighs like 240. I mean, I was, I, you know, as we were recording here, I was kind of was looking at Twitter and uh, the LA media is doing a, you know, uh, phone conference with, with him. And he said he's worked on his body. So his, he, he's a little bit different now. Um, I'm assuming that means he lost some weight. So he's just like a super weird prospect. Um, like, I mean, pretty much what, I, what you guys both said, a sneaky game, like sneaky, I don't know if athleticism is the right word, but like craftiness, like he knows how to get to the basket. Um, he knows he has a weird body type and composition, and it feels like he knows how to maximize that. Like sometimes, um, not to, maybe this is too soon, but to bring up Brandon Ingram, but um, Brandon Ingram, when we drafted him, it, t- it felt like it took him like a solid two years before he like realized how long he was. You know, and then finally, like last year, you started to see like, okay, he's now understanding, you know, and and you could see him more like utilizing it. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker in these clips uh, that we saw from from college, he gets to the rim and he's incredibly crafty, like he's not going to jump over anybody, although part of that could just be like the weight he was at in college. Um, But I. he he has like a weird knack for getting to the rim and using his wingspan to like evade defenders. Um, it's we he he's almost built like more of a four or sorry a three. Um, just in terms of his length and his even at six four, I mean like you see some guys who are smaller but with good wingspan who play at the three. But he is really a true combo guard. I mean if he can get a shot down, having a player like that is I think incredibly valuable. He. He does a lot of things, and at the end of the day, it's like we probably have to get rid of Bonga and Wagner um, when we do this Anthony Davis trade to just to give us the max possible cap space. So at at worst, he is a better prospect for us than Bonga because we're and, – and there's nothing against Bonga because I, I think Bonga, you know, has all the upside in the world potentially. But for where he is right now, like – like, uh, Bongo was 18 when we drafted him. This guy's 18. I just feel like Horton Tucker is 
worst case scenario, if we had to call on him to play in a game, he could do it. Whereas Bonga, I don't even think is ready for that. Like even going into next year. So, you know, we're going to have, we're, we're sending so many guys out in this Anthony Davis trade that we're going to have to consult or uh, start to reaccumulate some deep bench assets because, you know, three years, LeBron's career is going to be over and you better hope you have some young guys who are ready to go. Um, we're going to be in a position where we're signing a lot of one-year type signings just because we're theoretically building like a super team. Um, even if we don't get a third star, frankly, just LeBron and AD kind of makes us a, a pretty, you know, super team. Um, so we're going to start to have to uh, develop these guys in the deep bench. Um, and then in two or three years, you know, they'll be ready to play. And I think this is a good step in that direction. Yeah, I think... Taylor Horton Tucker has a lot of bankable upside for the future. He may not be able to co- contribute immediately, but who knows with regards to how we build out our roster, maybe he'll get a shot. And I think he has the skills right now to, I mean, he already really has a solid handle. His He's in the top percentile uh, passing out of the pick and roll. He's in the top percentile scoring out of high pick and roll. Like he can really handle the rock. Does that get him into trouble sometimes? I'm sure. But like Tommy and Alan said, he really knows how to use his length to find the creases in the defense and make these really nifty scoop-de-doo layups against like three defenders amongst the trees, which is really impressive. If you watch his highlights, he's doing these pirouettes in the lane and he it looks like he really has control over his body, which we couldn't say necessarily for Brandon Ingram coming out even in his first two years. So I think his the stoutness of his body really helps him in that respect because he always looks balanced, even though he's super long. It's kind of like if you gave like an eight-year-old or like a seven-year-old a pencil and told them to draw a human being, like he's kind of disproportionate, <laughs> but it works out, you know, for, for what we need, it works out. Um, so I'm really happy. And a lot of people are calling this a steal. I don't know, Alan brought up the Andre Miller plus Kawhi comp. And it, and it really shows because if you remember Andre Miller in the post, he used his strength to kind of bully people. And Taylor Horton Tucker has the type of uh, frame to really be able to do that. He's stout, he's, uh, he's sturdily built, and he knows how to use that to his advantage. And you can imagine as he continues to develop and learn more of the fundamentals and, and reins things back a little bit, how all those skills can come together. And you, you, you see flashes of upside, which is what I'm really excited about. Um, some comps I've seen for him are Eric Gordon, if he really gets his shot together, because Eric Gordon was a kind of little chubby little dude who had handles and could shoot. I don't know if he'll ever get to that level of shooting, but I mean, his stroke is really pure and he has a really nice uh, step back jump shot, which is impressive. I think his his long arms also helps him with his handles because he can really rock that thing back and forth and it helps him with his step back as well. Um, another guy I saw, and I don't know if he'll get to this level defensively, but um, Marcus Smart, kind of like these bulldog, small, six foot four-ish guys, but who have uh, tantalizing physical tools to work with, um, as well as some, you know, passing ability, dribbling ability, um, and all that jazz. Um, another guy, well, so in terms of who he could be for the Lakers, I know some Lakers fans may not like this, but I could potentially see him being like a Jordan Clarkson, you know, that type of role, like a scorer. Um, he might be able to have like a more refined Jordan Clarkson role and it may look prettier. He may have better passing vision and, and whatnot. But in terms of what he can b- provide immediately, he just looks like a guy who can get us a bucket. Um, Alan, any additional thoughts on THT? Well, I guess the fact that, <clears throat> again, he doesn't really elevate 
when he's in the paint just shows how much touch he has to have. Mm-hmm. So in terms of body type and things like that, these two players are not similar, but like Anton Jameson's another guy yeah. that made a lot of really awkward yeah. shots around the rim, like flip shots, um, things of that nature. To use one of Antoine Jameson's favorite phrase, of that nature. I don't know if you guys ever super off topic. He always used to say of that nature on Spectrum. Anton? Yeah, Anton Jameson used to notice. say it like at least 30 times per broadcast. So <laughs> anyway, that popped in my head. So yeah, uh, Anton Jameson, Andre Miller, and Kawhi Leonard. And you know, Michael Jordan had big hands too, so <laughs> just throw that in there. Nice. So I'm, I'm reading this random tweet right now. The Cavaliers paid a big price for the right to draft Kevin Porter at number 30. Four second round picks and five million dollars. Oh. Holy crap! I mean, for I mean, Kevin that's what Porter- we wanted to do for a second. So yeah, I can't blame him. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's crazy. Um, no, but I think I mean I think that's where we'll end it. I don't, I don't have anything else to say about Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, look, he has a lot of time to get rid of that body fat of his, and at this point, maybe you just want to chisel that. For me, I think THT is just moldable clay that we can actually use he's not raw i mean he's raw but he's got legit skills that all you have to do is better frame and fit into the proper you know system and mold and i mean can you imagine having getting to work under like lebron james and anthony i mean those are the only guys on our roster right now but i mean getting to work under lebron james is amazing and um in a weird way he's kind of like uh well i was telling tommy and alan this but he's like the reverse of svi where he's shorter, he's six foot four, but he has a seven foot one wingspan, whereas V was like six foot eight, but had a six foot five wingspan. So he's the opposite. And I think we both we all mentioned that Taylor Horton Tucker, because of his length, just looks taller than he is. I mean, sometimes he looks like a six foot six, six, six foot seven wing. Um, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say one last yeah, thing. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, on his uh, weight, so he's definitely. I mean, he could definitely stand to lose a few pounds. But I did see that somebody tweeted that at, at, I think it was at the combine or something. He tested uh, or he measured at like eight and a half percent body fat. So like the elite elite guys are closer to six, but eight and a half is like not that bad. So I, like I think again clearly, I mean just by looking at him, you can tell he could probably stand to lose like 15, ten or fifteen pounds at least compared to what he was maybe at his peak and at Iowa State. But losing weight is like one of the few things that doesn't really require skill when you come to the NBA. Like, he'll have access to, I mean, we've seen what the Lakers do with their, like, you know, uh, uh, strength and conditioning. They have all these guys on, like, these meal plans and, like, they, they, like, all their meals can be prepped for them and they set them up and they all get these special shakes after their workouts. (laughs) And so all that stuff will be taken care of for for him. Uh, He won't be just like, you know, not saying he was doing this, I wasn't there, but he won't be eating just like frozen yogurt in the in the freshman <laughs> door, like cafeteria, <laughs> you know, which is what I was doing when I was a freshman in college. So like he uh, he definitely like that part of his game can grow. It frankly, it's like usually it's the opposite problem. Like at least we know his frame can support a strong weight. Like usually you have the opposite, like the Kyle guy problem, where it's like this guy's one sixty eight. Is he ever going to gain twenty pounds? I don't know. You know, but Taylor Horton Tucker is already there. He just needs to chisel it down a little more. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's it. Oh, the one, the other thing I wanted to add was it's kind of cool, especially if we get a third guy, depending on whether or not it's a, a wing or forward that 
Maybe Kyle Kuzma is also going to come off the bench, but in a weird way, Taylor Horton Tucker also has a smooth sort of game like Kyle Kuzma. Uh, they both can finish. They both have soft touch, like Alan said. So I like that dynamic where Kyle Kuzma is like maybe the taller, score, more scoring-oriented version of Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, but yeah, I guess there's more to learn about THT. Uh, we'll continue to digest and soak it all in, but for now, that'll be our... 2019 NBA draft coverage, second round and trades galore. Um, yeah, I think we'll end it there. I guess my one last question is, and I'll throw it to Tommy for this one really quickly, but um, where does the Lakers trade package stand right now? Do you think we had been theorizing that maybe they were going to dump Mo Wagner and Isaac Bonga in, alongside that three-team trade with Atlanta? But as of right now, it hasn't happened yet. So are you still confident that they'll find a way to... Uh, get rid of the players that they need to get rid of to avail of that seven to nine year max space that they've been trying to uh, get or open up. I just don't think it'll be a problem whether it happens in this trade or, you know, another trade or what, but you know, we, I don't know how much cash I guess is the first step that we paid to buy the second rounder for um, uh, Horton Tucker, but 50, 50 million. Okay. <laughs> uh, regardless of what we paid, I mean, like, I guess when the moratorium is lifted, it resets again for next year. So we'll have some cash to send out. Bonga has two years left on his deal, but only one year is guaranteed. I think it's like one and a half million or something. So if we send Bonga with one and a half million to another team, that's like giving a team a free player, basically. I mean, they can buy him out. They can do whatever they want. They can develop him. And then his last year's non-guaranteed, so maybe they just want to keep him and see if he has any upside. So I, I don't think that'll be that hard to do. Similar with Mo, he's on his second year of a rookie deal, but he was a late first pick. So his contract is not that much more than the league minimum. Um, It's guaranteed for, I think, three more years. Uh. There, were, I mean, ironically, Atlanta got involved in this uh, with at least with the Pelicans, um, and we're linked to the Pelicans now because our pick is going. Or sorry, we're linked to the Hawks now because our pick is going there. So, you know, I it's it's a little hard to remember back, but last year's draft, there were talks that if we didn't take Mo Wagner, the Hawks were going to take him a couple picks later, and where they ended up taking Omari Spellman, but he was Wagner was at least on their radar. Um, that's not that's a team that has space. Again, Mo Wagner, very small salary. Um, they're not going to Hawks are not expected to use their space this summer. He's a stretch five. You know, like I, I just I could see them potentially being like, you know, whatever. We'll take Mo Wagner. You know, I I almost feel like we should be able to get a second rounder for Mo Wagner, but I have no sense of what the market is. I guess my point is, I just I just think that they will fairly easily be able to shed those two guys if they want to yeah that's fair i agree all right with that said we'll cut it right there it's undrafted free agency time look for the lakers to pick up two or three guys because they have to uh john t is out there taco tuesday taco falls out there daquan taco tuesday taco tuesday everybody uh daquan jeffrey six foot five guard very athletic can shoot the three as well Daquan, uh, Marcus Bolden, who the Lakers worked out, uh, Duke center, can block shots, uh, seven foot five wingspan, I think, or seven foot three wingspan. So look for the Lakers to sign guys like that in the upcoming days. Uh, with that said, that'll do it for our show. Uh, free agency is, uh, well, we have a, like a week off before free agency and then all hell breaks loose. So 
Uh, for now, we'll cut it right there. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. Alan, this is the first show we've had where it's all three of us. How does it feel to be back together again? Uh, it feels like I want to get some Taco Tuesday. All right. At some point, people are going to be like, can you guys please stop doing that? You've done it. No. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Tommy, later. Later. Alan. Bye. We're all still in the same room. <laughs> Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.